you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Tim Fitzgerald, Matt Walters, and Travis Tannehill are your trio for the day. Ryan Black needed to spend time with his family. I find it selfish and uh, not... uh, including us into his day hurtful i that's all that's all i gotta say but what is not hurtful is blue mark energy because if your company or your employer spend four thousand or more a year on energy bills would you like to reduce those costs by 25 percent or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability you can't answer that question no it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy is K-State-owned and K-State-proud. Give them a call down in Tulsa. Boys, I hope you had a good off week. I painted in the house. That's not an ideal way to spend an off week, by the way. But uh, Travis landscaped Matt, and you uh, counted your bars of gold, right? Right. That's good. Right. No painting, no landscaping. <laughs> Just sat around your collection of gold and laughed for a whole day. Played golf Friday afternoon and contemplated golf Sunday, but no, it was just the the wind chill was not where it needed to be. Yeah, it's it's a little odd. It's it's trying to be winter, but doesn't have its full conviction to do so. In fact, I think it's supposed to be a pleasant day on Saturday when K-State meets KU in the Sunflower Showdown, the worst name of all college football rivalries in the country. But that game kicks at 11 a.m. at the Bill. Did either of you catch West Virginia, Kansas? At all? I watched and listened to a portion of it, but not all of it. I watched... Until Kansas, you know, Kansas had a 10-7 lead and then I had to step away. And when I returned, it was 14-10. And from that point on, it was all West Virginia. Yeah, it's an amazing combination of inefficient offense and defense. The most capable. (laughs) Defense that can't hold up. I don't know what that was, Trav, but it just. Me neither. (laughs) I don't know where that noise came from. Um, Somewhere on my desktop. Sorry. That's all right. Um, You know, they started off. They got the quick turnover. They got a three and out. They jump out 10 nothing. Hey, everything looks great. And then the offense just can't do anything. And the defense looked pretty good for the first quarter. Plus. And then they just collapse. Travis, it's, it's almost impossible for a defense to function. If your offense isn't doing its end of the bargain and possessing the ball, setting aside scoring points, but just picking up some first downs and possessing the ball, your poor defense is just coming back onto the field constantly. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, I was similar to Matt. I, I think I left when it was 10-0. Uh, KU, obviously, they got the, the quick turnover early, uh, got them with a good field position, and then forced a three and out, and then drove down the field to get that touchdown for 10-0. Um 
but I mean, yeah, it was, it was your classic West Virginia maybe came in a little, uh, complacent, a little, not, not ready to play. KU jumped up 10 zero and then they really didn't do much the rest of the ball game. So, um, no, overall that an yeah, office just has nothing, but, you know, the defensive guys they are out there, they're doing their best they can, but I mean, it's, they're asking a lot to, to be out there so many snaps and until that offense can get, like you said, not points, just first downs, just any type of positivity that uh, this KU team has, has a long way to go. Matt, they are trying, Les Miles is trying, I should say, to rebuild from the ground up. No JUCOs, none, zero. Going cold turkey, going all freshman players to stock the program. Is that a wise move? Well, I think that, that he's got to – He's got to do a lot of it with with high school freshmen. The problem is the the rough times have gone on for so long at KU. Uh, you know how long will pardon the pun? How long will Jeff Long be uh, patient? How long will the fans be patient? I think you have to. You know, I think you have to mix in a few JUCOs here and there. Uh, you know, just depending on the year and depending on the position. I mean, I. We've seen it plenty of times when coaches just build with freshmen. It's hard. You know, K-State's trying to win with a freshman quarterback right now. That's not easy. Um, you know, if you're talking about freshman corners, freshmen, what, whatever the position is, it's so hard to win with freshmen. Uh, and, and, you know, KU, again, they're they're not even close. Uh, no. You know, they jump up 10 nothing, and then Katie bar the door. Here comes – here comes the boat race and they couldn't stop Letty Brown and um, you know, the, the rest is history, but you know, I, I applaud trying to want, you know, trying to go with just freshmen, but I still think in the world of college football, you've got to go pick up a few JUCOs here and there. And I think KU can see that example, Travis. I mean, their, their touchdown in that first quarter was a tipped pass caught by Andrew Parchment, a transfer that has now been in the program for a couple of years. I can't imagine redoing it and saying, nah, we shouldn't have taken that kid. That kid can play. That that kid's a Big 12 player. <clears throat> He's one of their best weapons on offense, and now they're just going to say, no, we don't want any of those kids. We're just going to continue to take as many freshmen, including some real gambles, and, and try to build that way. I get it, and I also don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really understand. I just don't understand why there has to be a black and white rule. Like, why can't it just yeah. be – Hey, we're 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 low on running backs, like K State was last year. We're, they were really low on running backs. No running backs on scholarships. Is it ideal to go get JUCO transfers and go get uh, grad transfers to to put together a, a running back room? No, absolutely not. But you're you know you're dealt the hand you are, and you got to do the best you can to at least field a somewhat uh, competitive team year after year. So I, I mean I don't know if I'm less. I'm you're not. They are not in the position to be able to be picky. They, they, need, they need all the talent they can get. And yeah, when you're Alabama, yeah, maybe you, you can have that black and white rule where you don't got to go or Clemson. You don't got to go down to the Juco ranks to, to find guys. Cause you got, you know, you got high school guys banging at your door wanting to play there. But when you're a, you're a team like KU or even, you know, I don't think Kansas state has a knock against Juco or a knock against grad transfer guys. I mean, it's, it's, you know, seeing Bradley Moore come in and, and, and win the number one starting spot at tight end. I mean, that's been, awesome for this program and awesome for this team and even more valuable now that uh, Kansas State's going to have a freshman quarterback back there. It's become very clear to me that Jeff Long gave Les Miles pretty strict marching orders. 
build this thing with young players, build it from the ground up. We'll give you time. I'll pay you way too much money. Build donor relations. Begin to make people think there is a future in K State, or excuse me, in future in Kansas football that they want to invest in because their facilities, Matt, are awful. It's awful. And whatever they do, they're putting lipstick on a pig. I mean, the end zones, and I don't know what they did in the locker room. It's got to be better. But I mean, their visiting facilities are trash. The stadium's run down. They have to raise money to get that stadium and the facilities fixed. And if you're a KU fan, you want to give your money to basketball. You just do. You want those fancy seats. Takes $50,000 a year donation just to get into Allen Fieldhouse this year for a basketball game um, with the limited seating. 50000 a year. That's a starting price to even get in the, the building for basketball. How are they going to race football in that environment when you're telling donors they have to give this much money to basketball to get it done? Maybe they can do it for football. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, they've got a lot of problems, and I think Jeff Long's trying to build a bridge using less miles, using his name, using that ring he likes to wear around, and try to get some recruits, get some donors, and get some momentum in the program. But, Matt, but... I think this is the worst KU team I've seen in a long time, and that is a remarkable statement. You know, they have what looks to be better talent in a lot of spots. Yeah. Uh, you know, not not great talent, but you know they've got they've got some guys that you would say that they can play. They just don't play well to you know well together. They don't do the little things well. Um, you know, the the process. Has just gone on so long in Lawrence that, you know, we're outside of the program, so we don't see it. But there just doesn't appear to be, uh, you know, a positive ending or a you know a tremendous turnaround coming anytime soon. And they've tried all sorts of methods to to do that. The latest of which being Les Miles, and uh, you know, the time is is something that's uh, not on their side, but you know. Les Miles is going to be given time. I just don't see this thing going very well or, you know, turning around anytime soon. And, you know, God bless kids that say yes and, and go play at KU. It's an incredibly difficult sell. K-State's K been there before. It was quite a while ago when it was a really hard sell to come play in Manhattan. But different times compared to, you know, when Bill Snyder stepped into the Little Apple. So, you know, KU's up against it. There's just no two ways around it. And Travis, they haven't had a set quality quarterback since Todd Reesing. And I think Todd Reesing is – he's approaching 40. Oh, that's an exaggeration, but I wanted to say it just because Oh, fun. I bet he's 36. I mean, he's he's, I watched him play in high school, and, and I'm 31 still. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's incredible. Well 35. Yeah, he's uh, – they just – They've got four guys. They've played three. They've started three different ones. They've had injuries, and none of the quarterbacks look good. They have some moments, and, boy, they have some bad moments too. But if you don't have a quarterback, you're, what are you doing? You just got to find a guy. Or at least take your best athlete. We just, I think it's kind of what they're doing right now. They're just trying to put an athlete back there and hope they can get some quarterback run game going. I mean, But, yeah, you look at – I mean, the stat line is – embarrassingly bad yeah. for, for that offense. I mean, 95 yards passing, 
and shoot total rushing was 62 yards. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, I mean, that's 150 yards of total offense. That is, mm. you know, that, that, that's a, that should be a quarter. That's a quarter for most teams. And how much uh, was on that parchment touchdown in the first quarter? 30? A lot of it, yeah. yeah, yeah. 30s? I, uh, let's see. Yeah, 65 yards of that was, or 43 yards of that was, was one play. So yeah, <laughs> almost a third of it was one play, which is which is amazing to me. But it's, I mean, I, I go back to, I think they, you know, they've tried, and I, I feel bad for, I feel one, I feel bad for those kids because those kids are out yeah. there working their butt off every day in practice. No one deserves football is such a hard and painful and physical sport. No one deserves to not have any success in any um, in any joy or really any hope to put a competitive team together. I mean, but if you're KU, they've tried everything. I mean, they've tried the big names. They've tried the small names. They've overpaid um, some big name coaches and, you know, David Beatty didn't go great as well. So it's like, they've tried everything. I think they need to go back to the original blueprint that kind of worked with Mangino is they need to find a local uh, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma assistant coach and let him be that first head coaching job, the big head coaching job to get, find a coordinator, convince him to come on board somehow um, and win back Kansas city you know, win back some of those Missouri schools and win back that local recruiting. Cause right now they're just, I mean, they're the laughing stock of the big 12 and the country. And until they can somewhat put a competitive you know, team out there, I mean, it's just not going to change. And, and I, I, Les was a horrible hire in my opinion. I never I liked it from the get go. Um, so, I mean, the sooner they can get him out of there and restart again um, and overpay the head coach again, the better in my opinion. I, I agree with that. I, I understand why they did it. I, I get Jeff Long's line of thinking we have to move the program forward in some way. I'm going to go hire this name. Uh, but as we see now, it's just he's off. He's not the same Les Miles that coached at LSU um, for whatever reasons going on with him. And it just there's not a very cohesive program right now. It's just is sloppy looking. Matt, they have Puka Williams, and they can't rush for 100 yards in a game. How is that possible? How is your offensive line that bad because that is miserable well they're not giving him the football 25 times let's say i mean the ball needs to be in his hands whether it's a handoff whether it's a swing pass whether it's letting him get down the middle of the field on pass routes he's got to touch the ball more and you know KU's offensive line they've, they've had a couple decent ones in recent memory but this one is just it's not very good and you know, with with what you and Travis said, look at it from the other side. You know, Travis mentioned that he thought West Virginia was maybe a little lethargic or a little complacent. That's the thing that Chris Kleiman and his staff and every staff in the Big 12 has to fight. Because when you see KU on the schedule, whether you're going to Lawrence or they're coming to town, you have, you have to dig a little bit deeper as a coach, I think, to – make sure your guys are amped and motivated because you don't want to be that one. You don't want to be that team that, uh, that loses to Kansas, whether it's at home, whether it's, uh, whether it's in Lawrence and, you know, K-State Katie is a little different because it's our rivalry in the state, but I'll guarantee you K-State's coaches probably amp it up a lot more this week because they absolutely positively don't want to see their guys fall flat and lose this ball game. 51 straight conference road losses, Travis. 51 straight. And when you consider you only play four or five a season, start doing that math. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's shocking. 
It's shocking that these players were probably in mid-grade school, early grade school, when KU won a road conference game the last time. It's, But Matt's right. you got to get your team up. We've seen Texas lose to Kansas in Lawrence. But going on the road is a different thing. Going into Bill Snyder Stadium is a different thing. And Bill Snyder set a real precedent for this game. This game is important. People want to ask why Ron Prince only lasted three years. Because the KU game didn't seem important to him, and he lost them. And he lost them in miserable fashion. You don't do that. You just don't do that here. And I would imagine uh, as, as you look back now, it's probably not too hard to get up for KU. I'm just astonished how how badly they lost to those Mangino teams back then. But I don't think getting up is an issue this week. Is it? Should it be? I don't think it will be. I mean, I, I played against some really bad KU teams as well. Uh, teams that, you know, we knew we were going to smoke them, uh, which is a great feeling to have. I mean, it, you know, you go into your week, you do your preparation, and just to have the confidence and to know that, hey, as long as we play – pretty darn good uh, we'll beat these guys by 40 that's a great feeling to have <laughs> coming into a game on saturday but um no i think this this k-state team w- will be up I-, I think they'll be they'll be plenty motivated because like you said it's almost getting to the fact now that you don't want to be the one so that's a little extra motivation is you don't want to be the one one you don't want to be the one k-state team uh to let this team sneak up and beat you and two just throughout the conference i mean it's if you get beat by ku that is um you know that's as embarrassing as it comes from a conference loss nowadays and uh, I don't think this team's going to have any problem being up. But the only, you know, the only question mark, the only concern, you know, if Skyler's in there with some great leadership, um, I- I'm not worried at all with a young quarterback, freshman quarterback. I mean, you just never know. He throws four interceptions. Yep. We lose two fumbles. Next thing you know, we had six turnovers and gave up a, gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, and they put up 35 points and we put up 30. I mean, so it, that's my only hesitation. My only worry, my only, um, you know, little bit of worry is just a true freshman quarterback. You just never know. Speaking of giving up a touchdown, West Virginia did it late in the game. Uh, Matt, you mentioned finding ways to get Puka Williams the ball. They're using him on kickoff returns. I get that you want to put him out there a little bit, but if you want to get him more touches, give him touches on the offensive side of the ball. If you want to use him on kickoff returns, okay, but why late in the fourth quarter of a blowout loss are you risking your best player on a kickoff return I have no grasp of what they were doing. Oh, boy, you scored a late touchdown. You covered the spread. Congratulations. I, I don't get what they were doing there. At that point, I was I was out of town, and I flipped the game back on right as the kickoff landed in his hands. And I just shook my head thinking, why on God's earth is Puka Williams out on the field right now? Um, you just you just don't do that. Um you're not going to win the ball game. I think you're making a big mistake because it just takes it just takes that one moment, and your dude is out for a game or two games for the rest of the year. So I did not agree with that decision either. And you know, there have been times over the years where Kansas State has put running backs out there, but it's not typically been they've not been the front line guys that uh, are carrying the mail. So. Um, you know, again, I just I look at what what K State's got to do, and what I was about to say a moment ago is, um, Nick Ost, be ready. 
Mm-hmm. Just be ready because in a rivalry, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I don't think there's any doubt that Will Howard's going to get the start. But, you know, what what pushes K-State in a different direction is if Will Howard goes down. That's not to say that Nick Ost can't play. We've seen him play. But, um, you know, K-State's in an interesting position because if, the, if this guy, if your starting quarterback now goes down, you you're in a really precarious spot. So Nick Goss, have a great week of practice and be ready to go on Saturday. Yeah, I just asked Coach Kleiman about that on the Big Twelve call and he said they've been they've spent a lot of time with Nick Ost and Jaron Lewis trying to get them ready and better prepared because you just don't know and they gotta be ready. I'm intrigued by Jaron Lewis. They like him an awful lot, but he remains down on the depth chart. I think Ost is a great backup to have. I mean for He's down on the third string now, but suddenly he's back to second. You like having a guy like that in the program. Uh, Trav, one more topic here before we uh, go to break and then come back and focus on K-State a little bit more. Brent Deerman was like the the big, handsome guy that transferred in from another school, and everyone loved him for a while. And now suddenly Brent Deerman's offense can't do a damn thing. Basically, ever since... Um, K-State got a hold of Brent Deerman. He's, the shine has been off his star, so to speak. There was a lot of talk that this was all being set up now for Les to hand it off to Deerman. He wasn't even the interim coach on Saturday with Les Miles out due to COVID. Um, I, I think people have figured this offense out. I, and I don't think this offense is threatening at all. It was kind of a gimmick. And uh, it doesn't work now. It just doesn't work. And I'll be interested to see. How long KU fans are still enamored with Brent Deerman if this offense gets just shut down on Saturday by a very good K-State defense? I mean, yeah, it's funny that you even – I honestly, I haven't thought of that guy in about 12 months mm-hmm. <laughs> since, since the last – because, yeah, they, they did have a little positivity early last year. Um, they were they were causing um, a few – which I can't even remember what their – I mean, their scheme wasn't anything – he wasn't reinventing the wheel by any means. He was just kind of – uh, doing, you know, doing some quick passes and getting the ball out in space and, uh, and, and that, you know, the, the basic stuff that everyone's doing nowadays. So, but yeah, Deerman, I mean, I don't have a whole lot. Of, I mean, his, his, his team's numbers speak for themselves uh, for, for how good of an offensive coordinator he is. So we'll leave it at that. Um, don't know the guy personally, never, never said a word to him. So I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh, from what his offense, he has not got his guys ready to play. He has not gotten them motivated enough to play. Um, and, and like Matt said, I mean, it seems to be maybe the talent's a hair up, um, but overall the execution is not there. So, uh, yeah, Brent Nearman, hopefully, I mean, you know, these guys got families, so I'm, you know, you worry, you know, the staff is going to turn over. Right. So, um, you, you hate to see guys on the street without a job, but hopefully he'll be able to land somewhere. But as an OC, I mean, I just haven't been overly impressed. And in he's fairness, looking at a K-State, he's looking at a K-State defense that just, it was as physical slash more physical with TCU than anybody. And it, it was a TCU team that had scored 34 and 33 points in its first two games. And it barely got to 14. Not going to be a fun week getting ready for the cats down in Lawrence. Down in Manhattan. Well, no, no, no. Oh, getting ready in offense to get ready for K-State's defense because if, if Kansas State if Kansas State plays, KU's not going to get 14 points. I agree. And if they do, it's going to be because K State had 60, and then here came KU and got 14 cheapies late. 
Yep, I agree. And Or, as Travis mentioned earlier, the turnover bug finally visits Manhattan, which it hasn't done this year uh, very often. We will see kickoff Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Bill, K-State, KU, the Sunflower Showdown. Um, the battle for Old John Brown's rifle. How's that? That's a better That's a better uh, name for this series. You should have John Brown's rifle at stake for this game, even if it's not actually John Brown's rifle, which probably doesn't exist anymore. Just make one. Matt, get on that. Get on that. And he's going to right. do that during the break, and we'll be back with more of the PowerCat Insiders podcast. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. We do this every Monday. We convene via Zoom, and we talk with some of the experts who also cover and follow Kansas State sports. I am Tim Fitzgerald. This is the Monday edition of the PowerCat Podcast. We come at you every day. Make sure you are subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to your podcasts. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the PowerCat podcast because it'll come to your inbox, into your podcast feed every day. That's what we do. And this edition of the PowerCat podcast, The Insiders, is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina, Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Tim Fitzgerald, Travis Tannehill, and Matt Walters together today. No Ryan Black. He's off uh, thinking about NASCAR somewhere in Manhattan. And we just talked a whole lot about KU football. And you know what we're going to do now on this K-State podcast? We're going to talk about K-State football. Matt, you were talking about preparations. Um, and I asked Chris Kleiman about this, but how much do you think they threw at Will Howard this week to try to get him in a better place. He he has mentioned now that 
Uh, he knows the playbook, but really reading defenses and understanding what defenses are doing at the Big 12 level is his biggest challenge right now to get the team in the right play at the right time. How much can you throw at a true freshman in an off week to try to get him prepped? I think with a kid like Will Howard, you, you can give him a fair amount to digest. You know, I remember after the, the TCU game, you know, the, the touchdown pass to uh, the, the touchdown pass that, that Howard threw and some of the things they did to give TCU fits um, was, I remember Chris Kleiman after the game mentioning that, that Will got him into the right plays at certain times. And uh, to me, it was, it's impressive what he's doing and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem like he's just locking in on one receiver. It doesn't seem like he's, um, you know, going to the first read. You know, I've, I've seen multiple times where he's been able to get through a progression and, and make the right play. And what also stands out to me uh, is, is what the guys are saying about him in the huddle, that he's commanding the huddle. So I think what K-State has right now is, yeah, he's a freshman, but this is a guy that's ahead of the bell curve. He got to campus early. Granted, there was no spring football, but it seems like he absorbed a lot. Now, when you're told that everything is on his plate, if you know it's Chris Kleiman or Colin Klein, you take it at face value. But in reality, I don't know that everything is on his plate, but he can do a lot of it right now. And he's going to see more sophisticated things from defenses as we go along. Uh, you know, maybe KU gives him something that's out of the ordinary, but as we get deeper in the year, you know, he, he's going to see more, but he's just going to be more refined every week. You know, it sounds like he's in the film room a lot. And, you know, uh, uh, Courtney Messingham is talking about how much, you know, he's been able to, to get up in his ears, you know, between his ears. And it's fun to watch him play. And the other thing that will say right quick is he's not hesitant. He seems very confident in himself and in his offense's abilities. So, you know, so far, kudos to the kid. And like you said, as long, if, if the turnover bug creeps in or, you know, something wacky happens, then how does he react to that? But so far, so good. And there's not really anything, in my opinion, that, that KU does that should give him a heck of a lot of trouble. Trav, get the win on the road. He wasn't great. But he didn't lose the game at TCU. The defense was great. Special teams were darn good. The offense did enough. You get an off week. You come home to play KU. That's a pretty good setup if you got to make a quarterback switch. That's a, that's a pretty comfortable landing spot right now for Will Howard. Yeah, and I think uh, kind of just going off what Matt said. I mean, I think you really. I'm excited to watch Will play this game because I'm hoping. Uh, you know, I'm hoping K-State can get up, you know, two, two to three scores, uh, you know, 17, 17 to zero early on in the game. And we can really see Will maybe let down uh, that cautiousness a little bit. I felt like he was a little tight, very scared to turn the ball over um, against TCU, rightfully so. Uh, you know, was kind of playing, hey, let's like, like he did. Let's not lose this game, which it turned out to be a win. But if we can see him maybe let his guard down a little bit, throw into some little tighter windows, because most of those were – he didn't thoroughly throw into too tight of windows. Everything that was um, a tight window, he, he missed. He, he missed left or missed right, uh, kind of erring on the side of caution on that throw. So I'm really excited to watch him play. Hopefully if Kansas State can get up by a few scores just, and, and see the true Will Howard because I think he was playing a little cautious against TCU, uh, which, you know, I think he's got the, the capabilities. Um, like, like Matt said, that, you know, definitely I don't think the whole playbook's on him. 
Uh, they're definitely grooming him and, and, you know, just protecting him. And like he said, that is it, it's one thing to memorize the playbook. It's another thing to understand the defenses and understand, hey, there's six different defenses they could come out in, and each six of those have a different variable for what we're going to do on offense. So once you can get to that level, then you're the senior and you're the, you're the Skylar Thompson. But until then, um, simplify it as best you can, protect that young quarterback, and hopefully we can get up early and we can watch Will Howard uh, you know, let loose a little bit and play some football. It was a good time for an off week. You know, a good time for him to add to the, the educational process. And, you know, again, a lot of confidence coming out of Fort Worth with that win. You get a little, you know, I'm sure you got a little bit of time off, but I'll, I guarantee you that Will Howard had his head in the books, uh, you know, trying to to learn more. And there, there's a lot of things that should work against KU on Saturday, but it's up to Will Howard and company to make him work. And uh, it was a good, re- I think it's a good recipe, the fact that he had a little extra time, because I think some of the things they probably taught him the coaching staff that is in the last week, not just helps him against KU, but helps him in case they goes back on the road, you know, for that Halloween game at West Virginia and so forth and so on. Well, I, I know what I'd be telling Will Howard, uh, get the ball to Deuce Vaughn, just hand it to him, throw it to him, kick it to him. I don't care. Just get the ball to Deuce Vaughn. I know he's small and the ball's about the same size as he is, but give the ball to him. That's my coaching. Uh, and also Bradley Moore. But you better find a receiver that is your go-to guy. Maybe it's Sebastian Taylor. Joaquin Gill, injured, gone for the year. Maybe we'll see him next year. Josh Youngblood, gone, left the program, unhappy. We wish him well. Chris Kleiman was just asked about that in the Big 12 teleconference. said, you know, I'm not going to get into why. He's He knows how he feels about me. He's gone. Malik Knowles is in a rut. Something's going on with him. I have feared that he might also be eyeing the exit, which would be a horrible thing for K-State, but I think actually a worse thing for him. Trav, you got to find a receiver, man. Is Sebastian Taylor the kind of guy that can be Doug guy? I'm not sure. And would you have tried to move some guys like Mosey into receiver during the off week? Oh, I mean, it's – man, it's hard to – that's asking a lot for guys to move midseason like this. It's one thing to move in the offseason. Um, that, that takes a lot, but but to move midseason is is asking a whole lot to pick up a playbook. And, to, you know, it, it, you could get a guy ready like, hey, these are your 12, 15, maybe 20 plays. Um, but even then, you know, that's not really how you develop a, a true program. And, and Coach uh, Coach Kleiman's been, you know, we're going to focus on the process. We're in this for the long haul. We're not trying to win games today. We're trying to win games in three, four years consistently and, and compete for conference championships. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the wide receiver room is, I mean, it, it's worrisome. It, it's very odd to me that the rest of the team seems to be pretty happy and, and, and pretty um, doing, doing very well. And, uh, and the wide receiver room seems to be uh, not, not, not doing well. So it's just weird. That it's just, you know, a lot of times if the wide receivers room's unhappy, then, you know, the safeties are upset. The DNs are upset. Everyone's upset. If uh, if there's some some issues there within that locker room or with within a coaching staff, but that's what I don't I don't so that's where it's like maybe it's more of the individual player, not necessarily the staff, because it seems like there's a lot of guys on that team that are super happy and uh, and just a handful that aren't. And they just all happen to be in that wide receiver room. Matt, do you think there were some who's in who's out discussions with Chris Kleiman and the players this week? I I know it's it's appeared well, good, solid. They've won games, but there has been some tension apparently in that room in that locker room um do you just keep emphasizing 
who who wants to be part of this and who doesn't? I think what you just said is what's most critical, Fitz. I do think that Malik Knowles has been slightly banged up, but as I've said multiple times uh, on this podcast and on the air, in case they need him to step up, and now's the time. I mean, the, this wide receiver room can can help this young quarterback and Will Howard grow and mature, uh, but they've got to do the exact same thing. Can Shabaston Taylor be a number one guy? Well, right now I think he is, and he's not all in one. If 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 you get what I'm saying, um, you know. Good luck, Josh Youngblood. Wherever it is you land, you are a great returner, um, but you had not grown into a wide receiver yet. And that's to me, that's what's disappointing about that is because. He's got a ton of talent, but um, it's it's frustrating to me. And I'm just I'm speaking for myself when when guys put too much stock in their own headlines, and I think that's what's happened in this case. And unfortunately, it uh, you know it didn't end well, and and Josh is going on to a different pasture. But yeah, it's just I wish I could explain why the wide receiver room is having its issues. Uh, at this point, because, you know, when Skyler was the starting quarterback before he got hurt, things just didn't seem right. You know, I think all of us had heard Skyler talking about putting in extra work with those guys uh, at various times. So um, we're going to see how this plays out. But, uh, you know, K-State's got to find not just not just sooner rather than later, but also for down the road. They've got to find some playmakers. You know, I talked about they, they, they're going to have to get a couple of linebackers. They've got to go find, if it's a Juco wide receiver or whatever, but they've got to find some guys that are a real threat. They're doing the job right now. They're winning games, but there's not that. I don't know that there's that one guy that you're scared of in K-State's wide receiver room. Nope, not right now. Not right now. Go, Trev. Yeah, and I just want to touch on two. I mean, Coach Ray's an awesome dude. I mean, I don't know him from a X's and O's standpoint. I don't know how um, intelligent he is or if he's able to, you know, get the stuff out of his brain into his receiver's brains to prepare him for the ball game. But if I'm a wide receiver, I mean, I want to play for, for someone like Coach Ray. And, and so I, I, that's also a little perplexed. I mean, you see a lot of times I'll see some guys playing for a coach. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that coach looks like an old crabby, an old crabby fart that I wouldn't want to play for either. But, I mean, Coach Ray's as cool as it comes. I spent a little bit of time around him um, just on a personal level. But from a – you know, I just don't see how that would not be a fun room to be in, and uh, which is just another reason that makes it a little hard to believe that there's little issues in that room. I agree. While we're doing this midseason checkup, early midseason checkup of K State, Matt, this offensive line has seemed to kind of gel a little bit. They play have played a little bit better each week, and if there's a one unit that needed to make even more progress during an off week, it's the offensive line. Uh, just continue to get better and get more cohesive as a unit. Um, are you a little bit, I don't want to say surprised, are you pleased with the, the progress that they've made to this point, considering how dreadful they were for most of the game against Arkansas State? And I think the big reason is that Noah Johnson came back and was able to play against Oklahoma. And from that point, um, you know, they don't have, they didn't have Cooper Beebe at TCU, but you have to have your starting center. And I think that's been uh, a big reason why Kansas State has won their last three ball games. Connor Riley's done a, you know, a nice job with those guys. 
Um, but, you know, I think Noah Johnson is, is even though he's a redshirt freshman, he is the leader up front on that offensive line. And, you know, if uh, Katori Loveston can continue to come along and, you know, they've, they, they've played, um, you know, a couple of younger guys in there with BB being out, uh, you want to have seven guys you can go to. And I think Connor Riley's a little bit, you know, closer to that than they were obviously in that first ball game. So you know, I tip my cap to, because the offensive line is part of what has keyed Kansas state, uh, you know, getting to three and one. They're not, they're not bedazzling everybody. They're not racking up 500 yards a game. In fact, in case they three wins, they've been outgained in every one of them. So uh, there's, there's, there's something to be said that when K-State's had to make plays, they have, but the offensive line has been pretty salty. Yeah, Trev, they have made timely plays. This offense has done it all year, whether it's Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, or now Will Howard. They've jumped up and made a play, and it started early at TCU with that long run from Will Howard. Uh, this offensive line uh, is going forward. They have shown an ability to protect Quarterbacks have had a clean pocket for the most of the time. Not always. Um, they haven't been throwing under duress, which has led to only one turnover. It's been okay, better, and they need to kind of make a breakthrough, don't they? Yeah, and I think, I mean, that was my biggest question mark going into the season was, you know, last year they were a senior-led group, a bunch of upperclassmen, and they were average at best. I was a little disappointed in how they played last year, and I'm like, oh, crap, now we got a bunch of young guns in there. Um, this is going to be a, a tall task for uh, for Connor Riley and his staff. And uh, then they come out and lay an egg against Arkansas State. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a long season. Our offensive line is going to be horrible. Um, Skyler's going to get killed. And this is gonna, not going to go well. Uh, this is not a good formula to win Big 12 football, to have an offensive line playing like that. And then, like you said, over, almost, I mean, from week one to week two, they got twice as good. And they've just continued to improve. Um, and become a pretty good a pretty good team, and that's what's been so kind of I guess would be kind of weird about this team is a lot of times you you see the gradual improvement, you see the gradual um, you know progression th- throughout the season, and you see young guys getting better by the end of the year. But it happened quick. I mean, the difference between week one and week two was tremendous, and and I know a lot of that you know came from some guys not playing and uh, maybe just being a little rusty in that first game. But um, you know the improvement's been been staggering. It's been quick. Uh, so hopefully they can continue on that upward trajectory and just continue to get better. I mean, they're, they're still, I mean, sometimes they do some dumb stuff sometimes on that front line. Sometimes still, I watch some plays and I'm like, Oh man, that was, that was horrible. You're an idiot, whoever mm-hmm. that was. So, um, you know, there's, there's still plenty of mistakes out there and plenty of things to clean up, but they're getting better. They're improving at the end of the day, you know, they play hard and that that's a lot to it. We're seeing a lot of defenses. Um, we're seeing, I feel like more so than not, we're seeing a lot of guys, getting ready for the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of guys not selling out, not playing hundred percent, not at K-State, just across the country. Yeah. And so to ha- have some guys that are out there willing to lay their body on the line. And that's one thing I think at Kansas State as a whole, this whole team and this defense, they're, they're playing as hard as they possibly can. There's no one who's here for the season, but not really playing hard because the season kind of doesn't count, which is a kind of a weird season. Um, so no, I, I, I like the effort, which is first and foremost, and hopefully the execution can, can continue to improve. Trap brought up defense there, Matt. Uh, look, no offensive coordinator or quarterback wants to be in second and long, third and long. But of all the things K-State's defense is doing well right now, their defense against those long yarded situations when they can go to that speed rush package where they put essentially four defensive ends in the game, 
That is as good as a speed rush package as I've seen at K-State, and there's been some pretty good ones. Those four guys get after quarterbacks. If you're in third and long, you better be scared as, opposing quarter, as an opposing quarterback. And to go along with that, I think Joe Klanderman has called some blitzes at the proper times. I, I, I can think of a couple of you know safety blitzes that have come um, and a couple of them were in the TCU game where, you know, it was it was the perfect time to call it. And, uh, you know, so far, I think Joe Klanerman has, you know, gotten in the rhythm. The first game, he kind of wondered. Again, Arkansas State scores 35. Jonathan Adams went crazy. Uh, the wide receiver for Arkansas State and, and the Cats couldn't stop him at all. But, you know, nobody, if you go back to – Oklahoma, and you think about Texas Tech, and you think about TCU, has anybody just really gone off? Spencer Rattler didn't. K-State kept T.J. Vassar from Texas Tech in check. They're big 6'5", 6'6", wide receiver. And nobody from TCU really, you know, went crazy. And, and K-State did a whale of a job against Max Duggan, uh, not, not hurting K-State with the run. So uh, I, the progression with the offensive line has been really good, and I think the progression with the defense – has been just as good yeah. uh, as well. I agree. And, Trav, looking at this K-State defense, they now are getting a nice push with the four-man front. That's significant. They have two really athletic linebackers with some great depth behind them. They've got safeties that hit really hard and corners that have some length and can cover. Travis Tannehill, this, this defense looks like an old-school K-State defense in some ways where they can really stifle an opposing offense and just make it a non-functioning, miserable day for an offense. I mean, yeah, they've, they've done a – they've pieced together a, a pretty good defensive, you know, one-two deep, and a lot of guys are playing on that defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, props to that staff for, for finding guys and putting them into the right spot. Um, but, I mean, overall, it, it's – it's become a strength of this team, which I did not think was going to be the case even in the off season. And I would say, you know, especially with, with a young quarterback, the, you know, the defense is the strength of this team and, and they're out there, you know, they're playing well, they're playing fast. And um, Matt mentioned, you know, keeping some of the, the, the key offensive guys on the other side of the ball in check. I mean, I, I just don't think enough, enough credit can go to, you know, can go to coach Planerman and that staff. And um, when you're on the offense and the plays are not, and just things just don't seem to be working. You know, that's usually because the defensive coordinator is schooling your offensive coordinator. So I think that defensive staff is putting, yes, yes, the players are making the plays, but I think the defensive staff is doing an excellent job of timing those blitz, confusing the quarterbacks, confusing the wide receivers. Um, Cause a lot of these offenses just look, they just look out of sort and they look a little confused, which usually means the you know, the coaches and the, and the boxes there are doing their job. And Matt, they tackle well. And if you're going to contain Puka Williams on a Saturday afternoon, you better wrap up and tackle because he'll slip you and be gone. That is uh, that is probably what I'm going to see from KU the most is uh, Puka getting the ball. I think they're going to emphasize him, and if K-State doesn't tackle well, they'll be in trouble, but these Wildcats do tackle pretty well. You know K-State's going to have a game plan for Puka because is there really anybody else on that offense that can beat him? Yeah, Par- Miles Kendrick. Can Kendrick beat him at quarterback? No, I like Parchment. Can any of the yeah? Can any? But the quarterback's got to get it to Parchment. Yep. And K State, I think, will do everything in its power to suffocate Puka Williams. And you're right, K State has become a, a much better tackling team. And the thing I like most is 
there are guys that are laying the wood and they're getting a lot of guys there. It's not, there's not a whole bunch of solo tackles. There's multiple guys there um, more often than not. And uh, I think K-State's defense this weekend is going to pin its ears back and just bring it all and do everything they can to really get after KU right away. Travis, that sounds like a formula for a lot of trick plays from KU. Yeah, I mean, that's always the one thing, but you can only call so many. So you can't call them every play. So I, I think the the, the margin, the, the, the gap is too wide to, to have this game be affected by, you know, two or three successful trick plays. So yeah, they, 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 might, they might get a big game, but it's a, it won't lead to – they're not, it's not going to lead to 21 points, we'll put it that way. K-State, KU, 11 a.m., Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And the biggest question I have going into this game is, will this be an old-school route, like what we've seen for many years? Because, Matt, it kind of could be. And uh, if Will Howard and this offense could get a route, that offensive line, establish some receivers, they could really gain something from this contest against a downtrodden, I love that word with KU football, downtrodden Jayhawks team there is much to be gained by playing extremely well there's no reason that this game shouldn't be 21 points plus there's no reason uh unless there's a blizzard that hits or the wind's blowing at 80 miles an hour straight time if k-state does what it is supposed to do and keeps playing the way it has been again this is not a contest on saturday his name's Matt Walters. You can hear him on the K-State Radio Network this Saturday as K-State plays KU. He'll have the pregame, postgame, and all the stuff from the sidelines. If they let him on the sidelines, I wouldn't trust him anywhere near anyone. And that has nothing to do with COVID. Nothing. I'm by myself at the back of the end zone, so they're not letting me close to many people. <laughs> it's hard to do your job when you're not close to anyone. Yes. And also, make sure you listen to the Tannehill and Spiller podcast every week at Go Paracat. Our friend here, Travis Tannehill is joined by former K-State safety Monty Spiller. They talk about K-State football every week. It went up this weekend. It's still fresh off the podcast vine. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you check it out. Boys, thank you very much. Uh, and we will reconvene next week at this time. I am Tim Fitzgerald. This has been another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. And make sure you're subscribing to the PowerCat Podcast. We do it every day. Make sure you're there to listen. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.